Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. You can turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew 24. I'm sure that if you've ever come to Island Church and sat under the ministry of Brother Joe Morris, that's usually the guy who we use to teach on end times. Brother Ted Brunt also, I've listened to them both. We need to get Brother Ted to come and do a couple of updates for us and get Brother Joe back too. I've been listening to his updates. It's amazing what's going on in the Middle East right now, and they're not telling us anything about it. Has anybody been watching his updates? You know, Bobby, there's some crazy stuff going on in the Middle East. Iran has sent to Syria 52,000 troops who, when they got to Syria, took off their Iranian uniforms and put on Syrian uniforms. Now they're massing on the border of Israel uh, in a posture, in a very aggressive posture. Not only that, Russia has sent to Iran uh, something like, what was it, Bobby? 60 MiG fighters, two wings, what they call wings, MiG fighters, and equipped them for combat and uh, painted them, took all of the Russian emblems off of it and put all of the... uh, uh, emblems of Iran on there, which basically lines, just lines right up with Ezekiel chapter 38. What's going on? So we're there, church. I mean, it's, it's, it's happening right now. Israel is in a war posture right now. There are many supernatural things going on in the nation of Israel right now that are just, just incredible. So we need to, uh, but many of them, the point I was trying to make is many of them, or all of them, when they come and teach on these things, they always use Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 is a unique chapter in that Jesus is teaching on end times. But see, there's more than just the end times he's teaching on there. And I, I don't want to teach it like, you know, someone would teach on end times. I want to teach it to you like a teacher or like a pastor. Amen. You say, what's the difference? Well, many times people that te- teach eschatology, they really, don't want to, they really don't want to teach you a message that puts a demand on you. Amen. I mean, they want to give you all the information of what's going on. And they're rightly, rightly so, that's what they're, that's what they're doing. That would, that, uh, that would, that's what they're called to do. I'll get it out here in a minute. Amen? Now, I'm not going to do that. I'm, we're going to go through the chapter. We're going to look at some things here that relate. Now, remember what our, what, our, what our series is. We're back to signs of the times. Everybody say signs of the times. Now, I pull that uh, from something that Dr. Lester Summerall told uh, me personally years ago. He said, Rusty, if you do not understand the day that you, that you live in, you will miss that which God does. So we have to understand the day and the hour in which we live in, and we have to understand the demand that that day and hour puts on us. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? Listen, this is the day of total commitment, total concentration, uh, consecration, 110%, are, are basically the best way to put it. You just need to give your whole life to the Lord. Hold back nothing. Hold back nothing. You say, why? Because there's a lot that you want to miss that will help you miss that. Amen? And not only that, will it help you miss that, there's a lot you want to be a part of that you don't want to miss. Listen, there's a lot of stuff going on right now I don't want to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of the coronavirus. (laughs) I don't want to be a part of riots and looting and all kinds of crazy stuff that's going on. One side or the other, doesn't matter to me. I don't want to be involved in some political fight that people ain't got right for years anyway. Amen? That's why believers have to be focused. I wrote it down. Let me find it here in my notes. I wrote it in my Bible. The term, the term Jesus is coming back are phrases referring to Jesus' return 
are in the Bible 318 times. 318 times. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. I think what happens many times is we get caught up in what's going on in the day and in the hour and we miss that or either life goes on for so long without any real major interruption of life and next thing you know people just kind of forget about it. Amen? I mean I remember back when I was in field ministry really there were several men that went around and taught on end times but the majority of your teaching was not on end times it was on faith or prosperity. Both of those subjects. But now People are starting to wake some things up. They're going back and listening to uh, some of the old prophecies and things that were said. And I'm telling you, there's some stuff out there you better stay way away from because it's really crazy. And there's some other stuff out there that will make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. You know, there are men of God uh, that were true, how can I say this, true men of God that really sought the heart of God and the Word of God, there was a group of them. They lived up in, uh, up, I think it's east of Dallas in that area up there. There's a man up there named Leonard Ravenhill. He's gone on to be with the Lord. But he was a real revivalist. He wrote a book while Revival Terries. Now gathered around him were several other ministers. One that I guess got most no, the most notoriety of the ministers that kind of were in his company was a man named David Wilkerson. And David Wilkerson wrote some books back in the 70s, and there's a lot of people that just say, there ain't no way, there ain't no way, there ain't no way. Now you go back and read some of those books, and it's almost line for line what's going on in the world right now. And some of the things that are coming upon the earth, we can see that. So we must understand, I like what Jesus said. He says we must be busy about the Master's business. We have to be. If we get focused on other things, it can break our focus and cause us to miss what God's wanting to do. And you know, you, you have to, and I'm going to throw this out and then we'll come back and refer to it a couple of times. Listen, there's a lot in this world that needs to change. How many would agree with that? How many think it's ever going to change? It's not. It's not. It's this world system. Listen, they're, they're, I, don't, I don't care who you say matters or who does this or who does that. To the devil, nobody matters. He'll take you out. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care the color of your skin. He doesn't care about your gender. He don't care nothing about you. His ministry is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is beginning to have his moment in time. Now don't let that scare you. You say, well, wow, that sounds pretty ominous. No, don't let it scare you because we are still the ones who have the authority over the devil. For this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. The news about that is the greater one lives in you. The greater one lives in you. You don't have to be weighed down with fear. You don't have to be weighed down with, well, what's going to happen? Listen, I'm going to tell you what happened, what's going to happen. You're going to be blessed of the Lord. You're going to enjoy revival in your church, awakening in your area, harvest in the world. And one day Jesus is going to call us all up into the clouds and we're going to go to heaven. Jesus is coming back. And God is waking up the church to that reality. Jesus is coming back. And I like what one guy, one, one friend of mine said. He says, he believes harvest begins with a billion souls. Why not? I like what Brother John Osteen used to say. He said, I'd rather shoot, shoot high and miss the mark a little than shoot low and hit the mark. Amen. <laughs> so, Matthew chapter 24. Great chapter to study. Great chapter to read. Where should I start this, Lord? And we'll just start in verse 1. Jesus went up and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. 
Now they're looking at the temple, how beautiful it was. Now remember, this is a temple that the Roman government had built the Jewish people in Jerusalem. Amen? Now they had done it with the supervision of the Sanhedrin to put all the thing together right, but basically it was financed by the Roman government to try to keep peace in that area. And Jesus, notice what his disciples came to show him the builders of the temple. Now Jesus said unto him, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left one stone upon another uh, that shall not be thrown down. Actually, what's he said? He said, see this beautiful temple? It's going to get destroyed. He's talking about that beautiful temple that was built there in, in Jerusalem. He says, it's going to get destroyed. That happened. That happened in 70 AD. Just about 70 years after Jesus was on the earth, that took place. And I'm telling you, they, they just destroyed. A lot of this is talking about that particular time in which the temple was destroyed. I'm sure a lot of guys get off because they read this a little bit and think it's all talking about the end times. It's not. Listen, the next scripture ver uh, verifies it. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, now notice the different question. When shall these things be? So what are they talking about here? When shall these things be? Refer to the temple that he just told them was going to be tore down. Amen? He's not talking about the rapture. He's not talking about the end times. But now notice this also. Other questions. When shall these things be? Now notice this one. What shall be the sign of thy coming? Notice the next one. And the end of the world. That's not a good translation. It is not the end of the world. It is the end of the age. Amen. Actually, that word is the same word as we get the word cosmos, which he's talking about the end of this world system. When is this fouled up world system? Because you've got to understand, as dire as things may be right now, at least there's not some other nation occupying us and putting us under some thumb of uh, 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 you know, a tyrannical reign. That's what, that's what was going on in Israel. See, they were not looking for a spiritual Messiah to come and do something in the spirit realm. They were looking for somebody to come like Moses who would deliver them from the oppression of the Roman government. Amen? That's what they were looking for. So he, first question was about what he said about the building. Second question, what should be the sign of what? Thy coming. Now this refers to his second coming. Then the third one is what? Well, what, how do we know when it's, we're getting close to the end of the age? The end of the cosmos. How do we know when that's going on? And Jesus answered them and said, Take heed, everybody say, take heed, that no man deceive you. Now listen, that's a powerful word. You say, why? There's a strong spirit of deception in this world right now. There's a strong spirit of deception in this nation right now. Look, I'm not going to say, well, it's on this one, it's on... It's everywhere. It's everywhere. The only real relevant truth is the truth of the Word of God. Thank God we've got the Word of God. Amen? Now notice what it says. It says, For many shall come in my name, uh, shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, a lot of people read that like this. A lot of people think that people are going to come and say, I'm Jesus, I'm Christ. That's not what he's saying. If you go study it, in the, in the linear Greek, which is written out of the original Latin, you will find out that he's saying, now many are going to come and say, he's Jesus. Talking about Jesus. Talking about Christ. That many people are going to come and say, yeah, he's Christ, he's Jesus. You know the Muslims say that? You know he's in the Quran? You know the Jehovah's Witness say that? You know there's a lot of cults and there's a lot of people in Christianity that don't even believe in the new birth, don't even believe in heaven. But they call themselves Christian. And they say, oh, he's Jesus. He's Jesus. What are they? They're deceivers. 
Just because somebody says he is Jesus, that does not mean they have revelation on who he is. You know, the real question is this. Jesus said it. Are you born again? I, I don't know how many people I've mentioned, uh, mentioned uh, uh, witnessed to over the years on planes, in hotels, just with, you know, tell them about the Lord. All of us do that. Amen? And so I'm talking to them and I'll say, I, I always try to gear or bring my conversation to a place of decision. Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Now listen, 80% of the answers are this. Oh, I'm Catholic. Oh, I'm Baptist. Oh, I'm Methodist. They automatically give me an answer not relevant to the question. Because are you born again or are you saved is not a what denomination I belong to answer. It's a yes or no answer. Yes, I am born again. Or no, I'm not. What does that even mean? Many times I've been able to lead people to the Lord. Other times people couldn't get past. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Baptist. I'm a, couldn't get, I couldn't get them past it at all whatsoever. Amen? Now, they can say, he's Jesus. Yeah, he's Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He was risen from the dead. He's in heaven today. But the real relevant question is, are you born again? Have you accepted him as Lord and Savior? That's where truth lies. Amen? Now, notice this. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now, listen to this. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. But now, notice the next phrase. See that you be not troubled. Can I, can I kind of throw that out to you? Good old Galveston terminology. Don't let it get to you. Just don't let it get to you. Amen. Don't let it get to you. Now notice. It says, see that you be not troubled. For all these things, now notice, must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Now what's he talking about? He's talking about the end of the age or the end of the world. All these things are preceding that he's talking about right here in this verse the wars and the rumors of wars and people being deceived saying he is Christ, all that's going to be happening right as the age begins to end. Amen. Y'all know when this age ends? This age ends when the church is taken out. It ends. See, we are living in the age of the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus coined that phrase out of the book of Isaiah. It is a day of God's grace, God's mercy, <coughs> excuse me, God's kindness, and God's compassion. Thank God, God allowed us to be born during this time. But it's going to come to an end. I said it's going to come to an end. You say, well, I, I heard there's going to be people saved during the tribulation. They will be saved during the tribulation. There'll be 144,000 Jewish evangelists that will go around the world. There'll be two witnesses that will literally be martyred and then raised from the dead. There'll be plenty, plenty, plenty of people talking about Jesus, talking about, talking about being saved, but there won't be the grace and the mercy that the Spirit affords the believers of this dispensation. Could you imagine being here without God's grace or God's mercy? You say, well, I thought God's grace and mercy would be here. If it was, then the devil couldn't do what he's going to do during those seven-year period. He couldn't do it. Amen? Now, notice this. Now, this is interesting here. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. We've heard of, there's, uh, uh, Joe Morris was talking about several earthquakes that happened over in the Middle East this past week. We know that famines are already beginning in Pakistan, 
in Tanzania and Botswana. Other, other. Uh, uh, I haven't heard about <coughs> about Nicaragua, but I'm sure they need food. I think the uh, Alan and the cooks have been working to get food into Nicaragua. Uh, a lot of our missionary friends are asking for money for food for people because there's already beginning to be famine in the world because of this shutdown. Do you realize that? You can't interrupt the food chain. If you do it, it's going to cause it's going to cause famine and death. But now notice this. It says, nation shall rise against nation. That is the word ethnos in the Greek. That's the word ethnos. And what it means is ethnic group will rise against ethnic group. Listen, the devil's always tried to play the race cards. And he's even created races of the same people. Uh, we, we, we taught, we preached and ministered in Ireland uh, during... Uh, the late 80s and through the 90s till actually uh, a peace came. Uh, there's kind of a limited peace there right now. But we were there when there was no peace. I mean, I could tell you stories that would horrify you about people being killed by bombs and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And you couldn't, you couldn't take an Irishman, a Catholic Irishman, and a Protestant Irishman and set them side by side and tell the difference of them in any way. But there was such a strong hate, such a strong... Prejudice. I, I never. I didn't understand it. I, I, I talked to people that were there, people whose whose loved ones were in the IRA, people who who had who had suffered under the uh, both sides, the both the British side and the and the Irish side of that. And uh, it, it was just it was just horrible, horrible, what was going on over there. And, and even the peace they have today is very limited. It's very fragile, because you really don't ever really have peace until you have the Prince of Peace. Amen. So these ethnic groups, these ethnic fights, Jesus is telling us right here, that's a sign, a sign we're getting close to the end. I mean, we're getting right there to the end of the age. Amen? It says all these things, now listen, are the beginning of sorrows. Uh, one translation says, this is the beginning of the birth pains, where even the earth itself will be groaning with the, with the, with the, the birth of a new age. Amen. It seems like somehow God is so powerful in His sovereignty that even, you know, even things that we think are dead and inanimate, that they even have the ability to tell the seasons of what's going on. Trees, plants, animals, things like that. They know, they know when the seasons are changing. It's an amazing phenomenon. But it's the same way in the Spirit. If you live for God, you'll begin to realize. And I don't know, you come to pray, if you come to prayer, many times we'll be praying, and I can kind of hear the gear shift in different people. And I can tell, well, they were just kind of praying there in the Holy Ghost, but now they're, they're groaning, they're moaning. There's something coming out. There's a travail coming up out of them. There's something being pushed by the Spirit of God. I'm going to tell you what it is. It is the literal age in which we're living in coming to an end. Coming to an end. And you sense that intercession and it's not really coming out of your, you know, sometimes it like comes, but it's coming from deep down in your gut, down in your belly. And you feel the Spirit of God moving, moving, moving. It's the beginning of sorrows. Beginning of the birth pains. Amen. Listen, uh, John Wesley said this. John Wesley was the, uh, John and George Wesley were the two men that were brothers that brought the, the, the Methodist move of God. Methodist was based on holiness and things of, uh, things of God being holy. Uh, brought, brought that move of God to the world. But he said this. He said, it seems God can do nothing on the earth unless there are people on the earth that ask Him in prayer and in faith. And see, that's why we need to study these things. We need to pray these things. And we need to recognize and realize the day that we're in, the hour that we're in, and not just caught up in all the distraction of the drama. 
Can I get a better amen to that? Now listen to this. He goes back to talking about what's going to happen at the temple. What did he say about the temple? They're going to tear it down. Not going to be one stone left upon another. Now, he's talking to them directly. Listen to him. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. They crucified Peter upside down. And shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all the nations for my namesake. And then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Now he's talking about the days in which they're going to be living in, those disciples. And because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But those that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Now you say, what do you mean? You mean we've got to endure to the... See, that's not even talking about us. That's not talking about the, uh, the, the, the day and the hour. It's not talking about the end of the age. This is talking about the days in which the temple is going to be destroyed. When the Roman government comes in and does everything it can do to stop Christianity. Did you know because of the threat of death, many people will retrain their fathers, their mothers, their brothers, their sisters. Man, we're going to kill you and your whole family unless you tell you where your mom and dad are. That, they were ratting them out. I mean, all that kind of... But then there was others that just... You know, have you ever studied John? John was cool. Did you know how he ended up on the, Mount, the, the, the island of Patmos? They... they they got so, Nero got so caught up in killing Christians. And he hated John and he wanted John dead. So when they captured John, they took a huge vat. Can you imagine how hot you have to heat oil for it to boil? They had boiling oil. And they put John in the boiling oil. And he reached over and walked right out. Wiped himself off. And they said, we better send him somewhere. <laughs> We're going to send him to the salt mines uh, there on the Isle of Patmos. And that's where he ended up. And that's where God gave him that great revelation. Amen. I'm telling you, that was, that was all, that's all this is talking about right here. There were many false prophets. The Judaizers came. They began to talk about how, yeah, okay, you can get born again, but you better, you better, stay, you better stay hooked up to the laws of Moses. And I'm telling you, they did everything they could do. That was the devil doing everything he could do to shut down the move of God. Doing everything he could do. Now notice this. It says, When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth him, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judah flee to the mountains. Let them which be on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let them which are in the fields return back to us to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight not be in winter, neither on the Sabbath. For then shall be great tribulations, such was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No shall ever be. What's he talking about there? He's talking about the same thing. He's saying there's a, there's going, there's a time coming, that Roman army, they're going to come out of Rome. They're going to come into Israel. Pray that you not be on the mountain. If you are, don't go back to your home. Pray that, you, pray that you're not with child. Pray. He's talking about, listen, you can go study how they did it. They went in there and they literally raised Jerusalem down to the ground and killed every... This is what scattered the Jewish people to the four winds of the world. And he's speaking to Israel and he's saying to Israel, you've never seen a day of tribulation like this. 
This, is, this was Israel's worst day of tribulation. That shall never happen to them again. Now they're going to go some, through some stuff during seven years. But those seven years are a time in which God has set apart for His dealings with that nation and He has not dealt with them to destroy them. He's going to bring them to a revelation that you have. And they're going to look on the one that He's pierced, on that they've pierced, and they're going to recognize, well, He's already been here. They're going to know that He's Messiah. Listen, God's not forsaken Israel. He never has. The devil's tried to destroy Him all these years because they were the conduit in which Jesus came through. Amen? Now notice, except those days should be short and there should be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, who's the elect? Those are the, those are the ones that were there in Israel. Uh, these days shall be shortened. Uh, then if any man say unto you, Lo, uh, here is Christ, or there is, believe it not. Now notice this. For there shall be false Christ, false prophets, shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. So this isn't the first time he's telling about that. This is the second time. He's still talking about the same thing. Did you know during great moves of God, there's always been the charlatans? I heard a story. When I was in Ireland, they kept talking, or they kept referring to us as faith healers. Oh, you're, you're those faith healers. You're those faith... And I didn't understand the terminology. So I talked to a, a guy that, that, that knew about it. I said, what are faith healers? He said, well, you know, there was a time in Ireland in which these guys traveled. And they, they, they would come and they would rent like, a, like, a, like the theater where they, were, where they would have plays or concerts, kind of like our uh, 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 opera house. And then they would have a faith healing meeting. So I got to studying that and I, wrote, uh, I read about the account of one of them in which this man went and he was seeking healing. He had a disease. Now this was in Europe. This, this was in Ireland. And so he went to this theater in Dublin where there was a quote, faith healer. He said when he walked in there, there was a group of people that were dressed all in black and the men had on tall, uh, what, what do you call it? Top hats. Had on uh, tall top hats. And he said during the meeting, he said it was the strangest thing. This person played the piano, played the strange music. He said everybody sat there real quiet. He said during the meeting, a man with a top hat came and walked right unto him and told him, oh, you're Bob Jones, and you live at such and such street you know, in, here in Dublin. And the doctors had diagnosed you with this, 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 and this. He said when he was doing that, he said it was like his spirit just knotted up on the inside. The man was a Christian. He said just knotted up on the inside. He, says, he said, you know, uh, uh, yeah, you know, just kind of. He said, Well, I'm going to lay my hand on you and you're going to be healed. He said immediately, Don't put your hand on me. He said, Don't put your hand on me. He said, That man stepped back one step, opened his mouth, began to scream at him, and instantly disappeared. He said, That just sounds crazy. No, that kind of stuff goes on. That went on in Ireland for about a 10 to 12 year period. That's why when we show up, telling people Jesus will heal you, Jesus will do this, Jesus will... They thought that's who we were. They found out real quick that was, that's not who we were. But that kind of stuff has gone on since Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? Happened in Moses' day. Well, you can go study it and find out. Let me get down here. How's my time? Oh, my time's almost up. Go down to verse... Because I could stay with this, but go down to verse. Uh, go down to verse thirty-six. But of that day and hour, 
knoweth no man, nor the angels of heaven, but the Father only. Now he's talking about second coming now. It says, but, but as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the, man, coming of the Son of Man be. Now listen, now he's reverting back to the days of Noah. Everybody say Noah. Now he's talking about what? The coming of the Son of Man. So he switched again to another question. Are you with me? For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. Now remember, in this series we talked about Noah, who was what? A preacher of righteousness who did what? He preached righteousness for a hundred years. What was his righteous message? A flood is coming. A flood is coming. They'd never seen it rain. The, water was wa the earth was watered by a mist that came up out of the ground. A flood is coming. Water is going to come out of the sky and water is going to gush up out of, the, out of the earth. And it's going to flood the whole earth and it's going to kill every living being, especially this race of giants over here that's causing all this trouble. We'll take them off the scene. Take them out of the scene. Amen? And on the day that the rain began, the Bible says Noah entered the ark and God shut the door. That means nobody gets in there. Nobody gets in there. It sounds, almost sounds like some Hollywood script. It's greater than that. I said it's greater than that. But he says at the end of the, day, end of the age before Jesus comes back, it's going to be the same way. It's going to be the same way. He says, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now notice, I read this. I'll have to go back and look in my notes to find out exactly where I read this at. But I read it and it blew. Oh, I, I didn't read it. I saw it in a, on, a, on, a, on a History Channel uh, a show. And it was about NASA. And it was they, they uh, 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 gave NASA the plan or equation is the way the guy said it. What would we do as a space agency of the nation, if millions of people disappeared at one time, what will we do? Can you come up with an answer to that scenario? And NASA worked on it for several years. And then they came up with how they would begin to implement information coming out, I guess now since it's the day that we live in, coming out over the internet, coming out over television, doing this, doing this. And this is what they said. They said within two weeks, we'll have it back to normal. Now, you may laugh and say, oh, there ain't no way of me. Look, look what's happened in the last 90 days. And what you now accept is normal. That means for a couple of weeks, people are going to be shocked and they're going to be freaking out. And you know, where's, where's Lee and Rusty at? You know, I mean, where are you at? <laughs> but in about two weeks, they're going to accept the fact that we're gone. They're going to, well, they're gone. Ain't nothing we can do. He had a nice truck. I guess I'll go drive his truck. <laughs> Let me, can I, you want me to help with something? Because I saw a, a sign like this on somebody's refrigerator. It said, in case of the rapture, feed my dog. How many taking your dog with you? Yeah. You know, the fact that you can say that is proof that you can. You say, you got scripture in verse? I do. Because when Israel came out of Egypt, they took all their animals. Amen? They took everything but the cats. 
I had to throw that one in there. Jesus is coming back. Now, here's what we want to get to. All that was there to say this. Then shall there be two in the field. Now look, then when? Right before the coming of the Son of Man, as it was in the days of Noah. That means right now, before the seven-year tribu tribulation that ends with Jesus coming back. Before that, are you with me? People are going to be doing what? Well, they're still going to be marrying, eating and drinking, giving in marriage during the tribulation. Amen? And before the tribulations, before the rapture of the church. But this is what I wanted to get to. Then there shall be two in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, if I say watch, for you know not what hour your Lord cometh. Everybody say watch. Now, I've heard this taught. I've heard people say this. Say, well, you know, there'll be two in the field. Uh, one shall be taken, the other left. Well, that one, he's going to be taken. That's talking about at the end of the age when the angels come and, 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 and reap the harvest. That's the end of the seven-year tribulation period. They come and reap the harvest. And those, are going to be, those taken ones are going to be, they're going to be the ones that are bound up. They're going to be the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, uh, the tares. These are the tares. They're going to be burned up. But that's not what this is saying. Now notice what it says. It says there shall be two in the field. Now notice, one shall be taken. Everybody say taken. That word taken is the word parlamentado, which means to receive in an intimate way, to pull one unto, them, unto, their, unto their breast as to hug with intimacy. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about the rapture. There are going to be two in the field. One's going to be taken. And the other's going to be left. They're going to be two grinding at the mill. One's going to be taken and the other one left. So this whole point of what we're teaching on the signs of the times is what? You have to be ready. Because the two, see, if you study this out, read some other translations, they're talking about people that are connected. People that are connected. And how one will be taken, the other left. He's talking about people who are, now, let me see if I've got in these notes here. I'd have to look and find them at another place. Remember the things I taught them a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, here they are. What do we do? We watch. Everybody say watch. That's Mark 13, 33. We pray. Everybody say pray. That's Luke 21, 36. We purify ourselves. 1 John, uh, 1 John 2, verses 2 and 3. We abide in Him. 1 John 1, verse 2, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 18. And we look for His coming. Hebrews 9, 28. Has anybody ever really looked for His coming? Now I have. Not in a positive way. I mean, I, I, I truly believe Jesus is coming back. And I truly believe He's coming in the clouds. So that must mean it's going to be a cloudy day. And I can remember laying on my back in my grandmother's trailer park in West Columbia, Texas on a hot July morning and looking up at the sky and thinking, Jesus ain't coming back today. Ain't a cloud in the sky. <laughs> Amen? Because I tell you, I, we were preached that till, till we believed. We believed Jesus was coming back. Now, in order to watch, pray, purify yourself, abide in Him, and look for His coming, Amen? 
You also have to realize what we taught in our last meeting before we taught a couple of Wednesdays on peace. You say, what did we teach? That God is not slack concerning His promises. But the only reason He gives us another day, another week, another month, another year, another five, or another ten years is He does not want anybody going to hell. But in the meantime, the whole world system is going to be inflamed and it's going to look like hell on earth. One of the greatest reasons to get saved in the days before the rapture of the church will be what is going on in the earth. Amen. I tell you, people, they don't have any peace in their heart. They're so frustrated with government, they're, they're, they're ready to tear the whole thing down, start all over. And listen, let me just say something. You can't apply any other... There's no part of the world system that works. Some of them just work worse than others. So we, we, we need socialism. <laughs> Look what it's done. Murdered millions of people. Uh, we need this. We need that. No, you don't. We need Jesus. The world needs Jesus. We are in that time in which, look, if the rapture happens tomorrow, then seven years from now, Jesus will return. And all these incredible manifestations will happen. Not only that, you will come back with Him in a glorified body, ready to reign and rule with Him on the earth. Not only that, you will be part not of the judgment seat of Christ, not the, the, the one that's the reward party for the saints. You will be judging angels as the church. Did you realize that? Because they're the servants of those that are heirs of salvation. But in the meantime, you must develop in your own heart a passion for God like you've never had. Fall in love with Jesus again. You can make it like it was when you first had that freshness of salvation in your heart. Because it's not God that takes the freshness away, it's us. That's why He has to give us, give us times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Amen? And I sense out of all this prayer we're doing, that's the first thing that's going to happen, is we're going to begin to experience times of refreshing. We've seen them before, but they've been on a limited level. I've seen them in other places in the world which are so necessary for that refreshing to come because the saints there were under such, they were under such bondage. They were under such, how can I say, oppression of the adversary. So, be careful how you approach. Remember what we said about these series that we're doing now on growing up spiritually and, and, and sign of the times. The distraction of what's going on not only in our nation, in our area, in the world, the distraction of it is on a level we've never seen before. It's on a level we've never seen before. And the result of much that has happened will be what? The continual downward spiral of the effects of the fall of man in the lives of men and women on the earth. And listen, People can cry out for justice from a government. They can cry out for, uh, for relief from oppression. They can cry out for all of these things. In reality, it's never found outside of Jesus. If that's not true, then we don't have the message. Someone else has it, not us. But you know and I know it's true because you sit here tonight born again. You sit here tonight with an assurance in your heart that if you were to be absent from the body, if you were to die right there where you were, you'd be present with your Lord. 
It's not a hope that you have. It is a reality. It is a knowing in your spirit on the inside. Amen. 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 I'm going to brag on George just for a minute. <laughs> I was standing by his hospital bed. I guess this was this last fall or two falls ago. Two falls ago. I was standing by his bed. He's in the hospital. I think a couple of days before we'd been hunting together. He couldn't breathe. So he ends up at the hospital and they're wanting to do what? What'd you, uh, quadruple or triple bypass? Double bypass. And so I'm there when the doctor and the nurse, they come in and, and uh, his, you know, some of his family and stuff are there. And I'm standing by his bed. And so I just kind of step back and I listen to the doctor and he's, he's you know, telling him, you know, and, and this is a dangerous operation. You know, you could, and he finally came out and said, you, you know, you could die. And George looks at him and goes, to be absent from the body is to be present with him. And that guy was like, <laughs> he wasn't afraid. He didn't have any fear in him. He was facing a very serious operation, but his faith was stronger. Now listen to me. This is the point we need to make tonight. His faith was stronger than the drama of the moment. And let me just tell you, church, your faith is stronger than the drama of the moment. You've got to stay focused on Him, focused on the Word, focused in prayer, focused in church, focused on what God's called you to do. And if you're still kind of navigating that that dimension of finding out what God has called you to do, keep doing it. We're the 11th hour laborers. We get the same pay. I guess I'm going to have to teach on that next week, huh? I said, we're the 11th hour laborers. We get the same pay as those that have worked all day in the hot sun. We get to come in when it's cool, when everything's being wrapped up, and do the work we're supposed to do, and then we get to heaven and get the same reward. Oh, somebody ought to thank God. Lift up your hands and worship. Father, we worship you right now. Lord, we glorify your name. We worship you, Father. We exalt you, Lord. You're mighty and you're holy. We glorify you, Lord. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lee and I are talking to a friend of ours. I think this will help you. We were talking to a friend of ours the other day. And I mentioned a book that I'd read about a certain uh, unit of soldiers during World War II. And they had, they had come into combat and the leader, the guy who was their captain, had noticed one individual who was very tentative. That's the way they wrote it in the book. Tentative to engage. You know, the battles would start and men would jump up and fire and throw grenades and, and you know, some would just run and get hit and stuff like that. And, and he would kind of get down in the foxhole and cower and, that captain called him coward. And so he talked, instead of just running him out of the unit, he talked to him. He talked to him. And he said, here's your problem. He said, your problem is, what makes you combat ineffective is your problem is you still have hope. And the guy, the guy responded to him. He said, hope? Hope in what? He says, you have hope. You're going to survive this and not be killed. And the guy was kind of like, yeah. He said, you can't have that hope no more. He says, you're totally ineffective as one of my soldiers until you lose that hope. And sure enough, he did. and became one of the best soldiers in the unit. He and the captain and this, this man survived. Both of them were wounded badly, but they both survived. But listen, of all of the causes we have now, all of the, you notice how the, the sides are gathering now. We got an election coming up. And then all the, listen, 
The reason a lot of Christians really struggle with all that's going on is they still have hope there's an answer for this system. Let me tell you what the answer is. We, we already have it. It's going to be the church taken out. It's going to be seven years of judgment upon this earth. And it's going to be Jesus coming back. That's the answer. And as long as we have hope, oh, if, if this one gets reelected, it'll all get fixed. No, it won't. No, it won't. Uh, but if this other one, if he gets elected, then, then it'll all get fixed his way. No, it won't. Nobody has ever fixed it. They've just lived in it. I said they've just lived in it. So what we're going to have to do is take all the hope we have, put it in Jesus, put it in the kingdom, put it in living out these last days, weeks, months, and years of our life. Living for Him, full out for Jesus. Amen? Stand on your feet. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you that the reality of Christ dawns in our heart like never before. The freshness, the newness of revival in the church and awakening in the area and harvest in the world and the expectancy of being with our Savior will rise higher than anything else in life. Father, we stand against the distractions of the day and the hour. Lord, we want to be responsible citizens, vote our righteousness. But Father, let us not be caught up in unwinnable causes and that which cannot happen because of the evil one of this world's system. Let us be totally focused on you, Jesus. Lord, this is our tradition. Thank you for the ability to appropriate, as we sang tonight, all your promises that have to do with our safety and our protection as a people. Lord, it doesn't matter who we are. We don't matter where we go or what we're exposed to. We thank you that there is a supernatural layer of protection that cannot be breached by the evil of this world. So over all of Island Church, Every child, every young person, every teenager, every family, every, every individual, we declare in the name of Jesus, no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling place, angels have charge over us, only with our eyes will we be see to behold the reward of the wicked. We abide under the shadow of Almighty God. We appropriate that, we walk in that by faith. And Lord, let us also understand, no other generation has been afforded this door of utterance. Thank you, Father, that as this door of utterance opens for us, we're well able and prepared to go into our area, into our world, and reap the harvest. Lord, you're already setting up meetings, interactions, conversations, in which the end result will be a person stepping out of death into life, stepping out of darkness and into light. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Father, as we leave tonight, we love you so much. We thank you for all your mercy and grace. Thank you that you allowed us to be alive in this dispensation. Thank you for each other. We thank you for our church. Help us to walk in unity and love and peace so that, Lord, we as a congregation grow strong in our knitting together one with another so that when others are added, they can partake of that same strength and unity. Lord, we leave tonight as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Never take that for granted. Amen?
Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.